Why is it the same repetitive mistakes continue to rob salespeople of more commission checks, regardless of industry, size of company, or region of the globe? These same inhibitors are holding us back from reaching our full potential. Amongst many industry awards, Ian Selby achieved the accolade of top salesperson in the world at Apple. And in this podcast, he will discuss the issues that sales professionals encounter from his own experiences, confessing to the problems he has endured and how he overcame them, giving the benefit of his wisdom to everyone listening who work in the world of sales. To help you, he will reveal strategies to overcome the issues hurting salespeople and helping you reach new levels of sales success. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins. With your host, Ian Selby. Welcome to Confessions of a Sales Pro. I have a very special guest this week, a gentleman by the name of Andy Paul in San Diego. Andy is a leading global sales expert. More than 180,000 people follow his daily posts on LinkedIn. He is the host of the top-rated sales podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, which is brought to you by Ring DNA. With more than 950 episodes, 950 episodes to date, and millions of downloads, Andy's podcast is the go-to resource for sales leaders and top sales producers. Andy is also the author of two Amazon best-selling books, Amp Up Your Sales, Powerful Strategies That Move Customers to Make Fast, Favorable Decisions, and Zero Time Selling, 10 Essential Steps to Accelerate Every Company's Sales. The focus of this week's podcast is on Andy's new book, Sell Without Selling Out, A Guide to Success on Your Own Terms. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Ian, thank you for having me. I know you're busy uh, with the book and the business, and it's uh, so kind of you to to put some time in and share some some wisdom with our listeners today. Uh, oh, thank so you for having me. I've got a few questions I'd love to ask you, um, and I'm sure. sure the listeners would love to hear your answers as well. Um, so one is a double-part question. Uh, what is the job, the real job of a salesperson and what do most sellers get wrong about this? <laughs> yeah, well, I, it, it has to go down. It all boils down to how we sort of socialize and educate and train sellers about what their mindset or perspective is and what their job is. So, as I write in the book, is that I think the problem starts with that most sellers are sort of trained and coached to believe that their job is to go out and persuade a buyer to purchase their product. And there's a couple things wrong with that. One is that when you take that approach, is it's a persuasion-driven approach, what you're doing is you're selling to someone before you understand what their problem or challenges are and what they want to try to achieve. So, you know, because by definition, when you take a persuasion-based approach, you're assuming that your solution is the only solution. And the second thing that get, we get wrong about that in, the, in training sellers is that humans as a species, and this has been re- researched and reported on, we all have an instinctive, all of us have this instinctive resistance to being persuaded. And so I find it ironic that we, we teach sellers to go out and use the one form of behavior that every human being in the world naturally resists. So 
So the that's what sort of the starting off point. If you think that your job is to persuade somebody to buy your product, that's just the wrong starting off point. So that's what we get wrong. The right approach is to say, look, my job as a seller is really simply is to go out and listen to my buyer. I understand what's the most important thing to them in terms of the challenge they're trying to solve or the challenge they face, the problem they're trying to solve, and the outcomes they're trying to achieve. So listen to understand what's most important to them and then help them get it. And what you get is this difference in perspective is if you're going out with this persuasion-based approach, selling is something you do to the buyer where if you go out with this idea that my job is to understand what's important to you and help you achieve that, it's something you do with the buyer. I love the sound of that. Instead of two, it's with. And that makes so much more sense. And I agree, Andy. Persuasion, if you don't want to get talked into something that you're, you're not aware of, you don't even know if you trust this person yet. So right, there's a lot of things wrong with that, right? Yeah, it's a sort of a zero-sum approach to to selling, which is I only have this product I'm going to sell. I must be right. Therefore, you're wrong, right, if you don't want what, I, what I'm selling. For sure, for sure. So who, who do you think is getting it wrong, Andy? The sellers or the sales leaders who train them? I, I often find... You know, the weak link in, in, in behavioral change in sales is at the manager level, the sales manager level. Uh, but in your opinion, and, and you have a vast experience of this, who's really getting it wrong, the salespeople or the sales leaders who are trained? Well, both. But, yeah, I think the sales leaders get it wrong as well. And there's a variety of reasons for that. I, I think that it really sort of starts with the fact that we we as a profession, we don't sufficiently invest in enabling and training managers to understand what their job is and to give them tools to help them do it. Instead, what we do is we give them tools and technology that they can use to sort of enforce a certain way of selling, but we don't teach them enough about um, you know what it really entails to go out and be successful in sales and we put, this, put them in these really difficult positions where then we load them with these big targets and big quotas they have to hit. And it's little wonder that they sort of default in the way they coach and train sellers to sort of these obsolete, legacy, salesy, what I call salesy behaviors because they're sort of easy. It's a classic error. I see it everywhere as well. I'm, I'm sure you do as well, Andy, where a company might take their best salesperson, promote the, the sales manager, and say, go, work your magic. Try and clone yourself with, all, with the whole team. And they don't do anything to, to ready that new leader because selling and sales management have very little in common, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also it assumes that this idea about cloning yourself is it assumes because most of them, yeah, first-time managers, I was this way. I was promoted sort of two years into my first sales role into a manager. If you were to ask me at that point in time, well, so how do you sell? What works for you? What, you know, give me a, an analysis of, of what you're doing that, that you're going to try to you know, help other people do. Yeah, you just don't have enough experience at that point to really even, I think, have a, a serious awareness of what works and what doesn't. So absent being given this help by their employer, 
it's no wonder that a lot of managers flounder because again, we're asking them to do something that's, that's virtually impossible without the right tools and training and support. Absolutely, absolutely. I love what you're saying. In your book, Andy, you say uh, that what sellers do isn't that complicated. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, my first first boss in sales, I think I quote a couple times in the book, he, he said, hey, here's the thing. He said, selling is very simple. So it's not easy, but it is simple. And, and I talk about this in the book is that, as we talked about before, is our, it's really our job is just to go listen, ask questions and listen to the buyer and make sure we really understand what's the most important thing they're trying to accomplish and achieve and then facilitate them getting that. And that's our job. It's, it's, it's just a, a mindset and a way of looking at it. And when you think about it in that regard, it's, it's really quite simple. My job is just to help you get what's most important to you. Nothing more than that. And so if you start, that's your framing for what your job is. So when you go out every day and you're interacting with buyers and prospects, that should be at the forefront of your mind. How can I help this buyer get what's important to them? What can I contribute to this today? What value, what value can I provide to them today? They'll help them move closer to making decisions to get the thing that's most important to them. And so it should inform every action you take. Right. And, and, and an approach like that is, is going to be so refreshing for the customer, for the buyer. And that this person's not, <laughs> not a commission-breathing yeah. salesperson trying to you know, grab my wallet. They're, they're actually investing and in trying to figure out how to solve my problem with me. Yeah, well, absolutely. So when you think about it, is, is really that's at the heart of these things I've been talking about is how do we create positive buying experiences for our prospects. Because at the end of the day, again, research has shown, they talk about the challenger sale and other analysts have talked about this, is that the majority of the factors the customer takes into account when they make their purchase decision is based on their interaction or are based on the interactions with the individual seller. You know, the, the level of trust that buyers need to have, it first and foremost is in the seller, not the company they work for. Right. And so you need to be extremely conscious and very intentional as a seller about the things you do that create these positive buying experiences. And one of the things I refer to in the book is, is that your customers have a limited amount of time and attention. You know, it's the, <laughs> the most limited resource they have is you have to be intentional about making sure that every time you interact with the buyer, because what you're doing when you interact with the buyer is you're asking them to invest some of that time and attention in you, right? Mm -hmm. And so when they make that investment, when we, any of us make any investment, what do we want for an investment? We want a return on that investment. Mm -hmm. So your buyers want a return on the time and attention they invest in you. And so if you're on a phone call and you don't, have a plan in place to say that understands going into it, ah, this is what the buyer needs from me today. This is the value they need from me today to move closer to making a decision. If you don't know what that is before you pick up the phone, before you get on the Zoom call, before you meet with them in person, before you send them that email, 
you don't know the answer to that before you ask them to invest some of their time and attention, you're going to end up wasting their time. And they'll get, they won't get a return on that time and attention. If you repeat that, what happens? They stop giving you their time and attention because they yeah, make the absolutely. decision that you're not worth it. So right. if you're a seller and you've been dealing with a prospect and maybe they start becoming unavailable, maybe they ghost you a little bit. Yeah, go yeah. dark. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they, it's, it's, they've made a decision about you. They've made a judgment about you that you're just not worth their time. It's uh, and it happens to salespeople every day. Man, you're, you're going to sell sure. a lot of copies of this, this book, Andy. I can tell you that. That's for sure. <laughs> you, you, oh, thank you. I hope so. You, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, use some terminology in the book that, that fascinates me a little bit, and I'd love to to shed some light on this for the listeners. What does it mean to be salesy, or as your book would say, or to sell out? What What does that mean? Well, it's those list of behaviors that I think we're all sort of familiar with, like from popular culture or watching, you know, Wolf of Wall Street or Boiler Room or, you know, any, any, yeah, popular entertainment that, that shows a salesperson, a car salesman or whatever. It's these, I said, pushy, persuasion based, sales centric behaviors that, that have your own interest as a seller at heart first before the buyer. And yeah, I call those sales the or as you said, selling out. And you know, it it happens every day. And the thing that that I talk about in the book that people should keep in mind is that those salesy behaviors are learned behaviors. Right? We're trained how to do those things. We don't we don't come out of the womb that being pushy and persuasive and, right. and with a clueless <laughs> and so on. Yeah, or or the quota, exactly. And so I set up in the book, the opposite of selling out is what I call selling in. And it's based upon four core pillars of behavior, connection, curiosity, understanding, generosity. And the things that make these so powerful is that these are innate human behaviors. We are wired to want to connect with other people. We are wired to want to build trust with other people. We're wired to be curious because, you know, we are born as, as infants into a world that's completely foreign to us. How do we make sense of the world around us? We ask questions. It's our curiosity. This is a, something we carry out through our entire life. This is how we navigate the world around us is our curiosity. Um, our understanding takes us further in that navigation of the world, but our understanding also, we're wired to want to understand other people. This is sort of where our empathy comes to the fore is, is, you know, it's not enough for us to know that someone's feeling a certain way. What's really powerful is not only is, is when we know they're feeling a certain way and we understand why they feel that way. And so this is really important when we deal with our buyers. It's not enough to know that they might be frustrated about something. And we need to understand why they're frustrated about it and why that in particular is frustrating to them. And then we're wired to give. You know, we evolved from over time as humankind as, you know, coming from tribal uh, beginnings where, you know, we shared everything that made us feel good to share and support the group. Uh, giving makes us feel good. 
Mm-hmm. And so, as I talk about in the book, is is uh, you know paraphrasing that Zig Ziglar was saying, you know, you can get everything you want out of life if you help enough other people get everything they want in life. And that's we do that through our connection, our curiosity, our understanding, and our generosity. So wonderfully said. And so, so you define what salesy is, and that's the behavior that we want to shed and unlearn or evolve away from. And you just define what it means to sell in, Andy, with those four amazing pillars. So what is the goal of selling it? So you define what it is, but what's the goal around it? It's to create these positive buying experiences, right? This is what you... Another contrast I set up in the book is the difference between persuasion and influence. And we know that people universally resist being persuaded. And so the opposite, though, is is if we can connect with someone, if we can develop credibility and earn their trust, is they're going to open the door to us influencing certain choices and decisions they make and trade-offs they make in the course of making a purchase decision. And so that's the position we want to be in where they've accepted us and our credibility and they trust us to have their best interest at heart to help them achieve what's most important to them. And that is manifested, and again, in the influence they enable us to have on the choices and trade-offs they make. Mm, fascinating. And I love how you framed that. That's a realistic goal. You want to earn that influence with and being yeah. salesy won't get that done for you, right? No, yeah, people put up their defenses, right? They put up the, the barriers. I don't want to. Absolutely. I don't want to be persuaded. I don't. But they will open the door to being influenced. And it's like right. what I write in the book is you know your goal through your building connection and trust is the buyer gives you permission to stick your nose into their business so that you can help them. So Andy. You say in your book that sellers have to seize control of how they sell. Why mm. is that, and, and how do they go about doing that? <laughs> well, the sad truth is that no one cares as much about you and your success as you do. And it's, yeah, you know this as well as I do, it's, it's very easy for managers, to, as we talked about earlier, to default to certain styles of selling or methods of selling that that perhaps they're comfortable with that just don't align with who you are as a person and what your strengths are. It doesn't mean that you can't be very good at selling, but you just have a different approach to it. And so since no one else is invested in your success as you are, since no one else cares as much about it as you do, is you have to seize control of it. And you have to be have a little bit of courage, I guess, is perhaps one way to say it, is to push back on those things that don't feel right to you and to keep experimenting, trying the things that help you become better. And sometimes that means coloring outside the lines a little bit. And you just have to be willing to be held accountable for producing the results that need to be produced. But in a way that's congruent with who you are. And so I describe in the book several of my own stories throughout my career. Yeah, it's somewhat atypical seller from the beginning, sort of an introverted individual. And 
Yeah, I I knew from very first sales training class I went to, which was two weeks after I started my first sales job, that I couldn't be like everybody else in that class. <laughs> that just wasn't who I was. That wasn't my personality. That wasn't, you know, what I thought I was to be good at. And so I sort of determined from that point forward if I'd find a way to make sales work for me. That's just the other way around. And yeah, I had some bosses that were very accommodating. I had some that were control freaks that weren't yeah. thrilled with the idea of me. But I wasn't, it's not like I was, you know, doing anything unethical. I was just, or didn't align necessarily with the culture of the company. It was just slightly different, but it was my way. And right. I'm, I'm firmly convinced that, you know, if there's 5 million salespeople in North America, there's 5 million sales methodologies that exist. Yeah. Everybody yeah. does it. <laughs> Everybody does it slightly differently. Everybody does it their own way. And in this book, I'm saying, you know, you need to seize, don't wait for it to get permission to yeah. accentuate the things that you do that's unique to you that will make you the best version of you is just do them. You know, it's more ask, ask for forgiveness rather than beg for permission. One of my favorite lines. I'm glad you mentioned it. Or otherwise, I was going to throw it in there. <laughs> so I got one last question for you, Andy. Sure. So great chatting with you. How did selling in help sellers to increase their win rate and reduce decision cycles? Everyone listening would love some help with this. So <laughs> how does it help them win more and, and reduce the time sure. cycle? Well, so the, the last part of the question takes perhaps a bit longer to explain, but just beginning for the how does it improve your win rates is if you're thinking about it, what I'm doing is I'm creating these better buying experiences for my my prospects. And by doing so, I'm differentiating me and my company. And that in itself will enable you to win a greater fraction of your business. If you're being very intentional about using the pillars of selling in to help you connect, learn what's most important to the customer, make sure you really understand it, and then give them the value they need to help them get that job done. The second part is get some sort of psychology of how people make decisions. And this is something well-researched. Herbert Simon, Nobel Prize winner, wrote extensively about this, is that most people go through life and want to make what he called the good enough decision. Meaning that, that buyers will research until they find a solution that uh, satisfies the requirements and suffices to enable them to achieve their desired outcomes. And so he created a word. He can join those two words together. He called it satisficing. And so in general, most, most people are, uh, most people about most things are satisficers. And so your buyers usually are satisficers. They're not trying to make the absolute best decision because They've got so many things on their plate. They're incredibly busy purchasing, making a decision to purchase this one product is not the most important thing they're doing. It's just one thing on a list of many. And what do you do when you have things on your checklist? You want to get them off. What Simon found is that, that people are pretty rational and they make a decision to say, well, look, I could continue 
to invest more time to investigate other alternatives to solve this problem. But hey, this one Ian is, is talking to us about, that satisfies our requirements, it su suffices to meet our desired outcomes, and we could spend another four months looking for something that's not really any better than that. So, you know, the, the, the marginal gain on that incremental investment of time just isn't there. So let's make the decision. And so I describe in the book is that if you're able to be the first seller to establish this connection, the first to really understand what's most important to the buyer, so you're the first to understanding, the first to provide the, the buyer with this vision of what success will look like with your product, chances are, if you're the first, you increase your odds tremendously that they're going to choose you at that point in time. Makes and this is about experience. Yeah. All, all time and time again. And the thing that's really interesting about this is, you know, we're taught as sellers to believe that decision-making is, you know, mostly emotional and so on and so forth, which certainly not to deny the fact that emotion is involved. But this making the good enough decision is a highly rational choice the buyer makes. This is good enough. Let's yeah. not spend any more time looking at this. And so I think an important thing for sellers to keep in mind and address in the book is, you know, what is, at the end of the day, when a buyer makes their decision, what are they buying? They're not buying your product. They're not buying your service. They're buying the vision of what that service or product will enable them to do. And so if you can be the first seller to go through those steps of connection, curiosity, understanding, and generosity to be the first to help the buyer have this concrete vision in their mind of what success will look like, more often than not, they'll make the decision to choose you. And they'll make that good enough decision. And if you do that, that is going to increase your win rate as well. That's so grounded in such great logic, Andy. I, it just makes complete sense. Um, and it's just, uh, everyone out there listening. So I've got one other question for you, Andy. How can our listeners get a hold of you and that book, that hot new book of yours? How can people reach out <laughs> to get a hold of you? How? So let's see. They can go to Amazon or any place you buy books online and order the book. Uh, the official release date is February 22nd. Uh, if you want to connect with me, the easiest way is on LinkedIn. Direct message me on LinkedIn. It's uh, the usual preamble, LinkedIn, real Andy Paul. But it's hard to, hard to miss me on LinkedIn because I'm posting quite often there. And yeah, I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to, if you have any questions or yeah, if you'd like to talk about ways that you could implement sell without selling out within your organization, then yeah, I'd love to have that conversation. And then That's visit my website, Andy, my website, andypaul.com. Andypaul.com. That's fantastic. Once again, my special guest this week has been Andy Paul from San Diego, the author of a new book, um, which is Sell Without Selling Out, A Guide to Succeed on Your Own Terms. Andy, I want to thank you very much on behalf of our listeners today. Well, Ian, thank you very much for having me on the show. It was my pleasure, sir. And thank you for listening to Confessions of a Sales Pro. 
If you have found this episode informative and helpful, we would be honored and appreciative if you would share this podcast with other great salespeople like yourself. And we look forward to you joining us for all new episodes weekly, every Thursday. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you'd like us to help you grow your sales commissions, visit us at salesmentoryou.com. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons. More wins. With Ian Selby.